Chapter 21 Slogging through slush and snow, the bearded human was in a hurry. The cage swaying as he held it in a huge hand, Gielin watching intently from inside. It was late at night, and occasional overhead lamps provided the only light. Previously, the cage had been transported inside another container. That was gone. It was Gielin's second day of confinement. Earlier, Bailey had placed food and water inside the cage and then deposited it in a closet in his house. He closed the door, leaving Till and Gielin in the dark. Later that evening, he came back to get the cage. Now he was approaching an immense building. Pushing a door open, he stepped inside. Pulling out a flashlight, he switched it on and aimed it ahead as they moved along. Occasionally, he turned on lights overhead, and they went through passageway after passageway until finally passing through a doorway into a small room. He placed the cage on a shelf, and his huge face came close. Illuminated by the flashlight, it was more frightening than ever. I'll be back. Don't go away, he laughed heartily. Hey, little sprites, do you know what the lottery is? Well, without the lottery, I'm gonna make it rich because of you. Laughing louder, he then grew serious. By the way, Melville, if you get your hopes up that your friend Eric's gonna come for you, it won't happen. He was in the bar tonight with me, buying drinks. He's my friend now. <laughs> Eric, said Till. Yep, got away with my duffel. And even if he or anyone else came looking, they'd never find you in a million years. You're mine. Taking food, a small bottle of water, and an ashtray out of his pocket, he pushed the food through the cage's slats, poured water into the ashtray, and pushed it into the box. Night-night, he said, waving his fingers. Reaching up, he pulled on a wide sliding structure that came rumbling down and slammed shut, completely isolating the Kirins from the outside world. They were in darkness again within a secluded and obscure vault. Now, thought Gielin, Speckerin will never know where we are. The only one who might come for us is the bearded abomination. Resting against their cell's splintery walls, Akiran's mood was dismal, and they could do nothing whatsoever but wait. The next morning, the sky was a mixture of sun and clouds as Tim and Eric stood in wintry air perusing vanity from afar. Eric had slept on Tim's floor. Then they departed the rooming house and walked until they saw the harbor. They were nervous, realizing how dangerous Jeremy Bailey would be. We have to take a chance, said Eric. We have to find the Kirins. Let's go, said Tim. They started toward the vessel along a slushy street. As they neared the boat, the captain came out on deck. Breath steaming in the atmosphere, he glanced toward them. Morning, he said. Beautiful day. By the way, my friend, many thanks for the drinks last night, he glared at Eric. That was a fine duffel bag. Wouldn't mind having it back. We know how you've been catching fish and crab, said Tim. We know about Kieran's. About what? said Bailey. They're free individuals, said Eric. Not your property. Come aboard, said Bailey with a smile and a wave of his arm. I'm going nowhere this morning. Have a look around. Have a cup of coffee. Something stronger. 
A beer, if it suits you. How about a Bailey's? They knew he carried a weapon. Tim glanced at Eric. Let's take a look. They can't be here, said Eric quietly. We should look anyway, said Tim. It won't take long. I know the boat. Boarding, they searched the craft and found nothing. When they emerged from the cabin, Bailey was on deck gazing at the sky through binoculars. Tim and Eric looked up. Six blackbirds and a swan were circling above. Been there a while, said Bailey. Six ravens and a trumpeter swan. That brand of swan scarce in these parts, near extinction. Strange, two breeds maneuvering together like that. Never seen anything like it. Wonder what they're up to. He grabbed Eric by the jacket. Know anything about them? Not a thing, said Eric. I'm not so sure, growled Bailey, turning him loose. Because you seem to know a lot about sprites. Eric moved to the edge of the deck and stepped off the vessel. Tim followed. That duffel bag, called Bailey. If you stumble across it, you know where to find me. Departing early and flying together on a swan, Arca and Carlock led the travelers across the wide expanse of water, and they were nearing their destination. So she could communicate with both Speckerin and the Eyesores, Suri flew with the magician on Osalam. Her anxiety about flying had been diminished upon learning, telepathically, that Speckerin once had the same fear. Rugum, Deliani, Tarek, and Hutt flew alone on their ravens. Assigned to come with them, Loana flew riderless, to convey her master home in case he was freed. Suri brought along the warm clothing Banna had provided for her son in case he was freed. Speckerin heard words projected by Arca. The boat is ahead. Gazing, he saw nothing but the huge island they'd been approaching for some while. Soon he caught sight of a town and a large cluster of vessels at the water's edge. Banking in over the harbor, the party began circling. That's the one, said Suri, pointing down at Vanity. Arca's telling me. A black-bearded human strolled onto the vessel's deck. Or a culprit, thought Speckerin, studying him. The Eyesores sense something in him, said Suri. I can't tell what. Speckerin stared at the Eyesores, soaring together on their swan, appearing focused. When the magician looked down, the human was staring up at the birds. Then he went inside, came out, and seemed to be perusing them through some kind of instrument. Speckerin, nervous that it was a weapon. Till and Jilin aren't here, said Suri. Are you certain? said Speckerin. Till hasn't been out of the human sight for months. Where could they be? I don't have the eyesore's seeking powers, said Suri. Two new humans, appearing younger, emerged from the vessel's cabin, the bearded one engaging them in conversation, then grasping one roughly. The two climbed off the boat and moved away. Suri had never been near a human, but to her surprise, as she looked down, she could discern the thoughts of these two new ones. One of them knew Till, and they were eager to free him. Arca wants us to land near the departing ones, said Suri, but not yet. She wants them farther from the craft. Arca assumes command again, thought Speckerin. So be it. Suits me fine. The birds flew away from the vessel and toward the departing men. They were trudging along a road, heading away from the dock. Glancing up frequently at the birds, they continued on for some distance. 
Rounding a corner, then another, they started down a wet, dark street dotted with puddles. No other human was in sight. We land there, said Surrey, pointing ahead. Among the evergreen trees, Arca needs to talk with us urgently. The party descended and touched down in moist grass among the trees. Bailey had been suspicious from the time the six ravens and swan appeared. As they started inland, he watched them closely with binoculars. When they began descending, he ran. They'll try to rescue the sprites over my dead body. Arca and Carlock slid down off their island. The others were all dismounting. Ruggum, she said, her eyes narrowing, come with me. Arca is in command, thought Speckerin. It's in her eyes. Taking Ruggum by the wrist, she led him to the street and stopped at its edge. The others behind them. The two humans were approaching. You speak their language, Arca said to Ruggum. Tell them we're Kieran's, here to rescue Till and Jilin, but we'll need their help. Ruggum hadn't spoken English since leaving John Versteeg's hunting lodge a long time ago. He wished Jilin were here with his calamar. Water splashing under their immense feet, the humans were almost upon them. Ruggum stepped into the street. You, we Kieran's, he shouted, cannot see us. Eric and Tim stopped in their tracks. Come help Jilin and Till, said Ruggum. Eric gazed in his direction. Till, he said, kneeling down on the wet blacktop. By your voice, I can tell you aren't Till. Do you know where he is? Tell them, said Arca, Till and Jilin are nearby. Carlock and I sense their pain. We'll lead them to the place. Ruggum repeated her statements. Till and Jilin, said Eric. Two of them. He looked at Tim. There were two. He turned to Ruggum. We'll follow you. We fly, they walk, said Arca. Follow birds, said Ruggum. Hurrying back to their island, the Kirins were about to climb on when a word from Arca rang out. Stop, she paused. The bearded one approaches. We must intercept him. That's a job for me, said Ruggum, and I'll do it with relish. Springing onto his raven, he was swiftly in the air. Bailey was puffing toward an abandoned warehouse as fast as his stout legs would carry him. To his surprise, one of the ravens was flying in his direction, then plunging down and heading directly at him. Ruggum instructed Alsanam to dive at the bearded human and attack. During the first expedition, when surrounded by humans near the hunting lodge, they had performed a similar action. But that was diversionary. This was for real. The huge bird was almost upon him. Bailey raised his arms for protection and it swerved away at the last moment. As it coursed upward, he reached for his pistol. It wasn't there. Departing the boat hurriedly, he left it on the table in the cabin. He watched anxiously as the raven swooped down on him again, a massive wing knocking off his hat. Wheeling upward, it dove again, and though he shielded himself, its beak grazed his cheek and neck. He put a hand to his face, and it was bleeding. Damn your eyes, he shouted, waving his arms. I know what you're all about. You'll not stop me. Veering, the raven descended at full speed with claws outstretched. Bailey dropped to the ground and rolled to avoid attack. Jumping to his feet as the bird circled away, he ran toward his vessel, the raven in close pursuit. Fending off repeated assaults and cursing all the while, 
It took Bailey some time to make the boat. Rushing inside, he grabbed the rifle off the wall, the pistol from the table, and stuffed a flashlight in his pocket. When he hurried back on deck, the raven was wheeling above. With the rifle upraised, he took careful aim. Arca, Carlock, and the rest of the travelers lifted off, the swan in the lead, and circled above Eric and Tim. Then the birds glided above the street, moving toward a destination known only to the Isors. Walking and jogging, the two men followed, delighted that Kieran's had appeared and they were on their way to rescuing Till and a companion. Keeping a close eye on the birds above, they took the shortest route they could, along streets and through vacant lots. The eyesores were anxious, knowing Bailey was aroused and they had no time to spare. But slowed by the earthbound humans below, they could only edge their way toward their goal. After many turns and much ground covered by the men, the birds settled down and landed before, what was to the Kirans, an immense foreboding structure. Jogging up, Tim and Eric stared at a windowless, run-down warehouse. Ragum's gone, Arka said to the others. Yet we must interact with these humans. They slid down off their birds. Nearer her cherished till than she had been for a very long time, Suri sensed his pain acutely. I'll try to talk with the humans, she said. I've never been near one, can't speak their tongue, but I discovered while we were in the air above that I do sense their thoughts. That's one thing we can't do, said Arka. Perhaps, said Suri, they'll sense mine. I'm Suri, a Kirin, and Till's a friend. We must communicate with you. It wasn't English because she didn't know it, but her thoughts came clearly to Eric and Tim, as if from a source within themselves. They looked at each other. Did you hear that? asked Eric. A voice, said Tim. Mystified, they realized that almost anything could happen now. They hear me, said Suri. Tell them, said Arka. Tail and Jilin are inside the structure. If they find a way in, we'll guide them to the youths. Suri conveyed the information. This is where Bailey brought them, said Tim. We'll get in. Approaching the nearest door, they twisted and turned the knob to no avail. It appeared locked. They put their shoulders into it. It was old and broke open. Arka peered through the doorway. We can't fly inside a structure like this. We could move more quickly if... They carried us. She, too, had never been near a human and was apprehensive about what she herself was proposing. Suri repeated her suggestion to Tim and Eric. Help us find you, said Eric. Suri directed him toward Arka and Tim toward herself. The rest of you remain outside, Arka told the other Kirins. The humans were gentle in picking up Arka and Suri. Handling a Kirin was not new to Eric, but to Tim it was astounding. Arka guided them through the doorway and down a dark passageway. Left outside, Speckerin was concerned. Should the island be seen here, they'd surely draw attention. While flying in, he had noted a stand of trees a short distance back. Let's find shelter and observe from there. They flew back to the trees, where they landed and settled in to watch. I was right about Arka taking command, thought Speckerin, and in the nick of time. Though not a magician, she has powers beyond mine, and Suri might have more. It was a long, dim trek for those inside. I've got a keychain flashlight, said Tim. 
Pulling it out, he switched it on. Its beam was lost in the vastness of the space. Light switches were found, and a limited light was available. Telling Surrey where to go, Arca directed them toward their goal. Surrey instructing the humans as they progressed turn after turn, through one corridor after another. We're close, said Arca finally. As they were passing a closed door, she stopped them. We're here. Turning the knob, Tim pushed it open. No light switch could be found inside, and only meager illumination came through the doorway. It was a confined space, and Arca guided them to a vertically sliding metal panel. We might need both hands for this, said Eric. We'll put you down on the floor. The men did, and the two Kirins backed away so as not to be underfoot. With effort, Eric and Tim slid the heavy panel upward. Gilin was asleep when a noise woke him. Muffled human voices were outside the dark enclosure. The bearded one's back, he thought, or someone worse. The huge door grated open. Barely visible human hands were tilting the cage and pushing things about. Gilin felt quickly through his satchel and raised the calamar to his ear. Right here with your flashlight, he heard. Gilin blinked at the glare. What is it? asked Till, stirring. Humans, said Gilin. Here's the box, said a voice. We found it. Someone picked it up. Till, are you there? Eric, said Till. We're getting you out of here, said Eric. Tim, find the Kirins on the floor and bring them. With Surrey's help, Tim located the two and picked them up. Cage in hand, Eric stepped into the hall, Tim following with a small collaborator in each hand. They started making their way out, but the dark warehouse was a maze. Arca called to Surrey. Tell them I can sense the way. With Arca giving directions and Surrey passing them on, the party made steady progress. Soon ahead, sunlight was streaming through the doorway to the outside world. Stop! cried Arca. The bearded one's here!